Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bobblehead Podcast. Um, we have another special guest today. Uh, if you listened to last week, we had Justin on, and Justin and I sat down again for a completely different podcast, and we talked about something that both of us are super passionate about, and that's flying. Justin's a fellow pilot. Um, in fact, Justin and I are on an airplane together. So we talked a little bit about our experience as pilots and flying and what those lessons may have, have meant to us over the years, but also how we've applied some of those lessons to our lives. So I think you're going to enjoy this. So we're glad you're here. Hello, Justin. Hi there. It seems like it's been uh, minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> um, those of you that listen know that that we sometimes we shoot podcasts back to back. And, and so uh, I've got Justin Nickel here with me today. And if you listen to the last podcast, um, if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. It's really good. Uh, Justin's a great guy and I always learn a lot from him. Um, but this one is going to be a little bit different in that um, Justin and I share a, uh, uh, I guess it's not really a hobby. It's We really share a passion <laughs> for something that, um, and we'll get into this, but it's basically flying. We're both yeah. pilots. And it's rare. I think we had Nate early on, back when it was Access Points podcast. I had my friend Nate on, who was C seventeen pilot. Mm -hmm. But um, you're a GA pilot. We call it general aviation pilot, yep. like me. And so I'm looking forward to just having a conversation today. So I think what we'll do is kind of talk about how we got started in flying, and just kind of talk about all kinds of stuff flying. And then at the end, we'll kind of bring it together for those of you that that aren't pilots or aren't interested in too much of this. But we're going to tie it together at the end. I think. We hope to anyway, I hope to is, is kind of what, what is it that we take from, from flying and some of our flying habits and use that in life and business and what we've, what we've been able to take away from that. So, uh, first of all, glad you're here. Thank you. This could be a long one when two pilots get together and start talking about airplanes yeah. and just go for days. We'll, we'll, we'll try to keep it, we'll try to keep it tight. There's, there's probably a, of the four listeners we have, there may be one that's really interested in this, but, but no, I think we're going to make it relevant, but I think this, this will be interesting because I, I want to know more and better learn from you um, kind of where you got started into the, getting the flying bug. What, what age were you and what, what did it? Yeah. So I was, uh, I was 15 years old and uh, my church youth group, I'd never been on an airplane before. We not, didn't, not, not any kind of airplane, not a, any kind of airplane ever at 15. We didn't travel much as a kid. I think the whole time I was a kid, we took one vacation down to San Marcos. We floated the river and came back home. <laughs> we're not a big vacationing family. We're, I'm making up for it now. But uh, we were going on a mission trip down to the valley, and so we flew down there on Southwest Airlines. Mm -hmm. And I remember coming over to Love Field and, and getting on Southwest flight. And when they poured the power to mm -hmm. that thing and it started shaking and the thrust you know, threw you yeah. back in the seat, I loved it. Yeah. And then when you take off, just the, be the beauty of being in the air, the what's so amazing about flight and lift just blew me away. Yeah. And it's all I thought about, you know, the entire time I was on this trip serving the Lord, I'm thinking about flying. Uh, <laughs> and so when I got back home, uh, I went over to the airport in Rockwall and, uh, I just walked into an office. The office door was open and there was a, an old retired air force fighter pilot sitting behind the desk. And uh, he said, can I help you? And I said, I'd like to learn how to fly. And how old were you? I was 15, almost 16 okay. years old. Yeah. And um, he said, well, he said, uh, I, I do teach people how to fly. He said, but I've got a young lady that works here named Susan. You might want to meet with her. And I said, well, well, why wouldn't I fly with you? 
He said, well, people don't really like flying with me. I'm mean in the cockpit and I smoke cigarettes mm -hmm. while I'm flying. Yeah. And I said, well, tell me your story. You know, yeah. he was, he'd gone into the air force, uh, at a young age and, and, uh, flew his entire career in the air force, flew fighter pilots uh, as a fighter pilot. He was an F4 Phantom pilot oh, in wow. Vietnam and, uh, just had a phenomenal career. He yeah. had flown cargo planes and the F one eleven B. Oh my gosh. Um, lots of great airplanes. Yeah. And so I said, I, I want to fly with you. Yeah. And so I started flying with him in a little Cessna 150 mm -hmm. uh, out of Rockwall. And uh, he was, he was tough. There were times that, you know, he expected you to be even on a bumpy day, you know, over a spot at an altitude, at an airspeed. Yeah. Every single time. That's, that's what he wanted to see. Right. And there were times if he didn't see that, he'd take his hat off and hit me with it. And <laughs> By the way, those of you listening, thinking about getting a, getting a uh, pilot's license, that's not the way they do things anymore. Not anymore. Else. Not no, anymore. Not yeah. anymore. But uh, I remember one time he he had his wings, you know, his Air Force wings yeah. were pinned on his cap. Yeah. And one time his wings clipped me oh in, the, in the head. And, yeah. and I remember flying the downwind and coming in for a final, and I had a little trickle of blood oh, down wow. the side of my head. He never said anything about it. I never sure, said no. anything about it. <laughs> but that's where I started, yeah. you know, uh, flying. And um, I flew for a few years. And, um, you know, as life comes along, I took off. I didn't fly for about 10 years. Yeah. And, you know, and then I got back into it. And and sometimes what I know about flying now, mm -hmm. um, I'm probably fortunate that I didn't fly, continue flying back then. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's just so much more information, so much more yeah. you can learn yeah. about the aerodynamics of flight mm -hmm. and certain things that you can do on the control surfaces that'll get you in a lot of trouble. Yeah. You know, especially in the traffic pattern Yeah, that I didn't necessarily catch, you know, when I was that young. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, I had my pilot's license when I was 16 years old. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I flew before I drove car. You know, most people that get their license that early are, go on to the military. Mm -hmm. Like they go on military or commercial or you know, everybody I've ever known. You're the only one I've ever known that got my, their license that early that didn't go into as a career mm -hmm. flying. So you remember Ryan yep. Bergman? Yep, yep. So, um, you know, I think Ryan learned pretty early. And, uh, you, know, he's, you know, he's flying uh, Challengers now yeah. out of uh, Love Field for a, a family. Yes. It's a great job. I think his very first flight when he got out of the sim was uh, overseas. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, I think it was very first flight flew like to Europe or something. Yeah. Like that's a that's jump a in the gig. water, man. Yeah, guess good gig, but man, that's crazy. Uh, but yeah, so my my story is a little bit different. Um, I think I was probably five years old, and I don't know what it was that triggered it, but um, you know, I know my dad loved to do things. So we would he he says we'd build models together. I think he built the models, and I'd watch him. <laughs> um, but I had model airplanes in my room, and I I remember. Nearly all of them. I know my favorite one still to this day was model was a P thirty eight, and uh, to this day it's still my favorite airplane. But man, I had an old. Uh, I think it was, and I'm trying to remember what it was. It was an old old Stinson, and it was a Cessna one seventy two, and I think it was maybe a P fifty one. No, it was a P forty Warhawk. Yeah, P forty Warhawk, and I had those up in my room, and uh, I just fell in love with it. And then we had a family friend that had a one eighty two. He took me flying one day. His name was Jim Paul. I've talked about Jim on the podcast yeah. before. And uh, I was hooked. I knew one day I wanted to do that. But unlike you, I didn't, you know, I I was too much into, you know, cars and girls and football and everything else. 
to uh to go get a pilot's license so it was after jamie and i'd gotten married probably for a year and uh there was a little in this little town where where i was you know small little flight school and there was a brand new uh instructor he was from down in south texas and he had been driving bulldozers for like five years and loved flying and had his instructor's license cfi and uh i think i was maybe his third student <laughs> and i think one of his other students was out of mount pleasant and uh, mark meadows who's one of my best friends today one of my closest guys he's we don't, I don't see mark as much but mark's actually flying for southwest he, he flew corporate for years but anyway, he was learning the same time I was. But um, yeah, some really interesting stories about back in the day of learning to fly. And but I was a little bit older, so I had I had a healthy respect even then. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I've, I've been flying pretty much ever since. I didn't. There was a little bit of a break there for a while. Um, uh, Cody Strait. I don't know if you know Cody or not. You've I heard know. Cody on the podcast, but Cody's dad, um, Bob, and I. Uh, had a our first airplane we bought together was a Cherokee 180. I think it was a 67, mm-hmm. a Cherokee 180. We found it in um, Gilmer, I think, and uh, man, it smelled funky, and <laughs> but it was in good shape. His brother, Bob's brother, um, was a, one of the chief mechanics for Continental Airlines back in the day, and he had had a Cherokee 180 forever, mm-hmm. and he loved them. And he was telling us how great they were. So that's what we went. We bought that thing for twenty seven thousand dollars. Wow. Yeah. Those and, days uh, are gone. Yeah. And uh, turned around and sold it, I think, probably four or five years later for like 35000 We thought we had taken everybody, man. Took took them to the thing. But um, it that, that's kind of what we did. And then I had a pause there from there for a while before I started flying again. But, um, yeah, so, you know, we all kind of get in it for the same thing. It's There's something about aviation. There's something about flight that intrigues us. And, and once you do that, and once you fly and get behind the controls of an airplane and figure out, how easy an airplane is to really fly. Mm-hmm. It really is. And then, you know, and for people that haven't ever flown themselves or flown a smaller plane, I highly encourage you to go up. Um, they do what's called a discovery flight. In some places, they kind of they call it different things, but mm-hmm. like you can go to a flight school and for probably a hundred bucks or 150 bucks or whatever, they'll take you up for 30, 45 minutes. And they think you, you think that you're going to just take it up and they're going to fly you around, but they put you in the left seat, which mm-hmm. is the pilot seat. And uh, so you, you take, I mean, they take off with you for you and you get up to altitude and they give you the controls and they tell you, you go left, right, up, down the whole bit. And it's amazing how intuitive it is and how quickly we catch on to that. I, I tell people you learn to fly in the first five minutes. I mean, yeah. you really do. And it's, it's not hard. And then the rest of your career, you you learn how to, you, you just figure out how to, how to get where you're going, how to navigate, communicate. Um, and then the aviate part of, how to land and take off and then what to do in emergencies. And, you know, like you said on one of the, our last podcasts of how not to get in trouble. Yeah. I tell people sometimes it's like being a dentist. You know, I could, I think I could probably spend a couple of weeks with a dentist and do that job and, uh, <laughs> uh, until there's a problem, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and when there's an issue on the table, their training and their schooling and all of the experience that they have has to, has to take control and, and maybe in some cases save someone's life. But yeah, I think you could probably spend a short amount of time with someone learning how to fly an airplane, you know, take it off and land it. And, but you really got to, it takes, you're always learning as a pilot your entire life. Um, I constantly learn new things and, and just to, just to make sure that I keep me and my family alive. Yeah. You You run into, there's so many different scenarios every day. The wind's blowing a different direction. There's different weather. There's different pressures. Mm -hmm. uh, 
something's different about every flight. Yeah, it really is. It's very true. And that's one of the things that makes it intriguing, though, is uh, I've always tell, always told people that I have a healthy fear, a healthy fear of, yeah. of flying. And that's, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not risk-free. No. And there, uh, there is an associated risk with leaving the ground with whatever, whether you're in a helicopter, a blimp, or, and, you know. Bigger risk with a helicopter. Bigger risk, yeah, right. You, <laughs> me and you are the same page with that. It um, has moving wings. It's, it's yeah. It, it, it does, physics don't always apply to helicopters. Right. But, but um, you know, we, a lot, just probably everybody that's listening to this has flown an airliner before, and, you know, there's really not a much safer way to travel than an airliner. And, and there's several reasons why. Number one is is the planes are built with a lot of redundancy, the planes are built um, very reliable. They're built to last. Um, however, you know those those pilots in the front are really good at what they do, and yeah. they train every six months in simulators and every possible scenario that's ever happened in the history of airline aviation is thrown at them in during those those times, and they have to react the right way, or they don't keep their jobs. And they learn the systems of the airplane so well that, um, you know, we call it bus driving a lot of times. And that's even they call it bus driving is, you know, they, they fly the same plane. They fly some of the same routes. But even then, they would probably tell you very few of their flights are all the same. Yeah. Um, there's always something that happens, something strange, something different that makes that flight different. Sometimes special good, sometimes special bad. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, let's talk a little bit about um, – you know, what, after you took that break, after you got your license, when did you pick back up? And did I, did I meet you during that break? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I got to know you during that break. And so I guess I started flying again about 10 years ago. Yeah. And we've known each other for a little longer than that. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, I, I, I always had loved aviation, even during the, the time that I had taken a break from it. I'd, look up in the sky and see an airplane and wish I was doing it again. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's, it's not cheap, you know, to, to go back through training. And, and so I just decided one day that I was going to go out and, and just do a biannual flight review. Yeah. And I went and in explain and explain what that is to everybody. Yeah. So as a pilot, um, you know, we, our, our pilot's license never expires. Mm-hmm. Once we get a license to fly an airplane, we can add ratings, you know, we can add, uh, tailwheel endorsements. Um, we can go and get a so learn how to be a sailplane, how to yeah. fly on floats on the water, the whole bit. Yeah, get a get a commercial license, which right. just means they put you through a little bit more maneuvers, so, so you can charge people for. And flying. The test is a sucker right here. I haven't taken it. It is. It's a tough one. Twin engine. You know, adding mm-hmm. on your twin engine endorsement to to be skilled to fly a twin engine airplane, but our license never expires. So um, what we have to do is we have to re up our medical certificates. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, every two years for us, since we're a loader, if that's the class that you want. Yeah. But on the license side, we go in every couple of years and meet with an instructor and do what's called a biannual flight review. And so they just want to make sure that you are still proficient, you know, in in getting from from A to B in an airplane safely. And that you know, basically, you go up and do some maneuvers, and there's certain things they have you do, and just make sure that you're still good. Yeah. Right? And so really anyway, the, so go ahead. The the big difference, you know, you, you talked earlier about, you know, the airline's safety record and and as you look at general aviation, it's a little different. You know, I and I when people see a small plane go down, you know, they're mm-hmm. like, Oh, I know small, I'll never get in a small airplane. 
What they don't realize is, is there are hundreds of thousands of flights a day in general aviation Mm -hmm. and in the airlines. But what makes the big difference between those two, the disparity between, you know, loss of life in the two, we lose about 350 people a year in general aviation and the Mm -hmm. airlines loses zero Mm -hmm. in in the United States. On most years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could go years. The last accident they had in, in the airlines was the, the window they got blew out in the Southwest flight and the lady, you know, pulled into the window. Yeah. But, um, generally, you know, very rarely do they have, have, uh, any incidents in, in, uh, especially the U S in the, in the, in the yeah. United States, but that all pours back to their training, right? Their, their training looks a little bit different than general aviation. We, we teach in general aviation, they take students up and they teach what a stall looks like. Mm-hmm. And a stall just means when, when the air stops moving smoothly over the wings, it starts to roll. Mm-hmm. The wing starts to stall, it loses lift and it's going to, when you get, when you get too slow. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or the there's, there's several attack. other angle yeah. attack, but for, General people, it's yeah. you're too slow. Uh, well, in the airlines, they don't necessarily teach stalls. They teach, you know, a minimum airspeed. Mm-hmm. And those airline pilots know that as they bank that airplane, the more and more degrees of bank they put into it, it raises mm-hmm. the airspeed in which their airplane will stall. Mm-hmm. So they have a minimum airspeed that they fly. And they can train in simulators and do mm-hmm. things that you would never do in a, in a real, real airplane. airplane. Yeah. Um, so their level of training is far beyond ours. And they of course have lots of different systems and whatnot. And, but you know, that's, that's the big difference. I, I, I think if we trained in general aviation more like they train in the airlines, yeah. you know, I, as a young, as a young pilot, I, I knew what stall speed was, mm-hmm. you know, on, on the airplane that I was flying, but I don't remember everybody ever teaching me that that stall speed went up with every degree right. of bank. Right. And so as, as pilots are in the traffic pattern and they're, they're turning to Mm -hmm. land, they're banking that airplane over Mm -hmm. 15, 20 degrees. Right. And as you get too slow, they can stall the wing and and spin it into the ground at a low altitude. Yeah. Um, so I'm, 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 you know, those, those years that I was off, um, YouTube came along. Oh yeah. And there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of great training videos on YouTube. If there's folks listening to this, that, want to take that flight and want to learn more about, you can learn a lot on YouTube, a lot of great books out there. And I think the level of training with instructors these days is, you know, the level of responsibility that they have is much greater. Yeah. Uh, especially in, in such a pilot shortage, they're trying to move as many young people through to get their hours as fast as they can. And, you know, a little bit of fear in that, that the airlines are seeing, you need 1500 hours to become an airline transport pilot. Right. That's different hours than what it used to be. Yeah, it is. These two of the guys that went to the airlines were, you know, they came out of the military. Right. And they had true flying destinations. They were trained very, like you were trained. I mean, it was very specific, detailed. They were trained to fly the way the airlines fly. Yeah. And nowadays, these students get their 1,500 hours flying circles in a traffic pattern in a Cessna 172. Yeah. So be cautious, people, if you go to the airlines. (laughs) That's not true. Don't stop. (laughs) That is they all have true. to. They all have to meet the same standards. That's true. Um, but you know, here, here's one of the things that when people ask me about flying, that you know, what if I, Davin and I talked about this one day. You know, I'm I'm kind of a scattered guy. You know that about me. Um, and I I don't always think fluidly through things. Um, but da- Davin said one day, he goes, "When I got in the airplane for the first time with you, he goes, you're different. Yeah. You you bet- you become a different person." And he's right. 
and you know there's there's no room for and and once again i'm not nonchalant in my life just because i'm nonchalant it's just the way my brain works but i've had to train my brain to think differently in the airplane and so you know every pilot when you learn to fly there's one thing that we all do the first thing we do when we get in the airplane what do we grab checklist checklist and so Every airplane, whether you're on the airline or a little bitty airplane, has a checklist. Yeah. And all good pilots, and I say for 99% of the pilots do this, and there's those that sometimes don't, um, they go through that checklist item by item by item. So the, the plane that Justin and I fly is a twin-engine turboprop. And uh, we, we have the same checklist. It's just his is small because he can read it. And mine's, I got a bigger <laughs> one. I can't see him. Mine's a book. I can't see it as well. But it's the same checklist. And, and the, the people that build the airplanes, when they certify the planes, they create these checklists specifically for that airplane. And so it's literally going through step by step of checking all these different items and different things, all the way from walking the way you walk around the airplane before you get in it, what you look for and what you check. The time you get in the airplane, the things that you check, that the every switch that's flipped, every buttons that's pushed, every you know everything in the airplane has a purpose, and it's all done in order, mm -hmm. and it's done in order so that you don't forget something. That's right. And so every pilot, and, and you and I, that's one of the things that I liked about you, is you're thorough like me. I go through, and I I, I unless I go through everything in detail, I'm not comfortable in leaving. Because so, we we've done we've been in a hurry and missed things before and yeah, gotten lucky and, and flown off and man I never checked this yeah. right I'm glad I'm okay but and you've been in this airplane many times you've flown it many times mm -hmm. you get used to it yep and some pilots may have that you have that checklist by memory right I know what to flip sure. on first and yeah. second and third but you still follow that checklist you do. every and you go back and check time. and make sure you did everything yeah um yeah there, there's a guy that I follow on YouTube speaking of YouTube. He's a missionary pilot. Um, I don't know if you ever, I'm sure you've seen yeah, him, watch him. Uh, on the Kodiak. Mm -hmm. And he has that little box he created up at the top that will flip those switches. Have you yeah. seen that? Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. It's a visual that yeah. he, he flips those things. But all that being said, the other part is you get in more and more complex airplanes. One of the things that you learn, and before this, you had you had a Baron, which is a twin engine piston. Yeah. And especially when you get to twins, you begin to, it's a different class of airplane and that they're more complicated. Mm -hmm. And when you get into those, you have a checklist, but also you learn to do what's called a flow. And that's before you leave, you go and flow, even though you've gone through the checklist and you check everything to make sure it's done. So before we get onto the runway, so, um, and Justin and I both do this about the same way, is in our airplane, we have a flow, we start from left to right. Mm -hmm. And so we call the tower, hey, you know, whatever, whatever, Charlie, Charlie, well, you can't follow us anyway right now. 425 Charlie Charlie, <laughs> yeah. you can't see can't us. Can't follow us on yeah. right now. Can't fly us right now. Um, you know, you're clear for takeoff. And as we do that, we know that there's a flow. We start in the left, we turn the, you know, we turn the heats on, uh, we turn the lights on, we go across and we, we check this, we check that, we turn the, the uh, pressurization system on. Um, and we know that we've gone through our flow and we're, we're good. Mm -hmm. And we have always say the same thing. You know, here's what we're going to, even if we're by ourselves, here we're going to do, we're going to, we're going to pull up the power, anything 98 knots or less, we're going to stay on the ground, something happens, we're going to stay on the ground, anything 98 or above, we're going to fly. Mm -hmm. We're going to go out, we're going to, if something's wrong, we're going to figure out what it is and go back and land. And we, we, we vocally say that. Yeah. I, even when I'm by myself in the plane, I vocally out loud say that just because it's, it's become part of my process. And those are the things that 
keep you safe. Those are the things, not because it's things can happen. Yes, and we both train. In fact, I just got out of sim, mm -hmm. I guess, what, three weeks ago, yeah, and you went right. back. And that's what we train for is the things when things don't go right. But you go through those things and you, you be methodical about those things to make sure you don't miss anything. That's what keeps you safe. That's right. Because things happen, you know, they, they rarely go wrong. Yeah. Uh, but when they do, they happen fast. Yeah. And if you're, if you're startled by that, mm -hmm. which is easy to do, mm -hmm. and your, your body is suddenly flushed with adrenaline, you lose half of your motor skills and half of your brain in that moment. The only thing that kicks in is, is that you've trained and you're ready. So that first thousand feet is so critical. And so that's why we say those things out loud. You know, we say, like you said, if we, you know, if I'm at this airspeed on the ground, I'm going to shut it down and, and keep it on the ground. But if I'm beyond a certain airspeed, I got to go fly. Yeah. You know, and even if I have a problem at that rotate airspeed, I got to go fly and deal with it in the air and mm -hmm. then come around and, and get it back on the ground. But expecting that, you know, and, and kind of talking to yourself in that takeoff as your own climb out, any, you know, the things that can happen in that yep. moment. And then once we get beyond a thousand feet, we can kind of take a breath right. and pull out our climb checklist and start moving forward. Yeah. Altitude is our friend. Always so, our friend. Altitude yeah. and speed. Altitude and altitude speed are our speed. friends. And yeah. So the more altitude, the more speed we get, the more time we have to deal with an issue. Yeah. Unless it's a fire. Right. That's another issue. Which, yeah. which we learned rare. how to handle. That's rare. That's very, very rare. So, um, you know, you, you and I have flown. In fact, you're the, only, you're the second partner I've ever had in an airplane. And there's a reason why is uh, not everybody makes a good partner. And uh, I told you, uh, Cody's dad, Bob, was my first one. He and I thought a lot. We, we handle things, and we wanted to maintain the plane the same way. Not everyone's that way. And that's one of the things that uh, I saw on you real quick is, you know, when things need to be fixed, you, you're all about fixing them. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of I want that flight to be good and uneventful. Mm -hmm. And the best way to do that is to make sure that if something is maybe wrong, that you get that thing fixed and you get it fixed right. Yeah. And that's what our one, family's in them. That's right. And that's one less thing you have to worry about is, is that, you know, there's fewer things that can go wrong. And so that's, you know, that, and you're a dang good pilot and a good guy. And, and, uh, you know, Justin's, Justin's one of these guys that he, he's, he's the perfect, uh, just like in our last podcast, he talks about he and his wife are very different in there. And yet at the same time, they, they work really well together. And Jamie and I are the same way mm -hmm. is, uh, you know, you and I are very different and that we fly <laughs> together the same way, but you know, you are Mr. Clean, Mr. You know, everything's in its place and everything. And I'm more of a, just throw it up on the, you know, just throw it up on the rack. It'll be okay. <laughs> you know? And, uh, Justin's very precise about things and he, he you really enjoy the particulars of aviation and those things bring you joy. They do. Um, yeah. And uh, I love to go out to the hangar and just, you know, find a dirty spot on the airplane or, or sometimes I just go out there and walk around and yeah. shut the door and leave. I, when I move my stuff over from the, the, the other hangar recently, uh, I bring it over and put the shelves up and organize everything. And in my mind, I'm thinking, gosh, I didn't even tell him I was going to do this. I hope he doesn't walk in here and think, you know, that I've, pulling all my junk over, over to this beautiful hangar that we have. Uh, and instead you, you took a picture of it and texted me and, and said, I picked the right part. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm all about that. We got I'm all the right that. tools and the cleaners Man, and the you, wind. You, know. you, you, you got all the right gear for sure. <laughs> um, 
So let's let's talk a little bit about um, uh, you know what are some things that that we've learned as pilots that we've brought back to our daily lives, not just in the airplane. Yeah, so I mean, small things definitely matter. Yeah, you know, I mean, when you're when you're flying, the details matter, and and you know, you mentioned earlier that that Davin made note that you're different. You know, once you set in the in the cockpit of that airplane, um, you know, in a, in in a lot of ways, you can transfer that over to certain things in life. There's certain times in life where you need to to uh, to have a, a very serious mindset and and focused uh, on on what you're doing and know that in this moment you know i can't afford to make a mistake here Mm -hmm. um there's there's lots on the line and and this is this is a time where i need to be focused and dialed in yeah and so we we have those moments outside of the cockpit as well but you know flying as a pilot has taught me to be um, on top of the details um, to be very particular uh, about things um the maintenance is is huge. I mean, it matters. Um, I never want to, you know, you know, never want my family to be scared in the airplane. I'm blessed that they all love to fly, and mm-hmm. I'd be crushed if I had a member of my family that that didn't enjoy general aviation, because every time we go somewhere, that's how I want to go. Right. Um, and so, if they didn't enjoy that, I, I don't want anything ever to get in the way of, of yeah. that. Yeah. You want good experiences. Yeah. And then you don't want to be stuck somewhere either. Yeah. You want to make sure you can always get it back home. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. But I, I've learned to to uh, you know being a pilot has has taught me to how to focus better. Yeah. Details. Yeah. Uh, being particular. Yeah. And and I, I apply that in in a lot of areas of my life. I say for me, it's been two areas. One is is you know the thought of checklists, and um, just for me and the way my brain works, uh, there's there's certain times I have to, I have to have checklists, and for my check for for me, I have to write things down, and I have places that I put things, whether they're written down or I put in my calendar, you know, my calendar makes sense to me. It wouldn't make sense to anybody else, but it works for me because there's things I need to remember that are important. Mm-hmm. And if I don't put them down to me, that's my checklist. I can't, I won't remember things the way my brain works. I don't remember things. I can tell myself before I go to bed, I got these two, three things in the morning. I got to get those done. I'll know I'll remember them because I'm going over in my head over and over again. I wake up the next day. And I'm like, man, what were those three? There was, yeah, there was something I'm, I was trying to remember. I'm with you and if that. I don't write that down, and put it in my phone or whatever I'm going to do right then at that mm-hmm. moment that I'm, I'm we'll toast. Yeah. The other part is, is, you know, one of the, the dangers of flying is weather. Mm-hmm. And of all the things that we do, um, the one thing we can't control is weather. And it's the thing that is, uh, the most dynamic mm-hmm. and, um, the thing that can hurt us the most, yeah. right? And it can change quickly. It can change quickly. And, and when we think of weather, there's two things that weather does to us as pilots. Number one, in some weather we can't see. So we learn to fly on instruments and we have to trust those instruments. And that's, of all the things we do, that's probably, I mean, it's not hard now we do it, but still, it's one of the most difficult things we do to be disciplined, to follow and to do things the right way so that we can't see in front of us, but what these instruments are telling us, we have to follow and setting things up the right way, right? The discipline to set things up the right way and double check ourselves. But also there's like thunderstorms and you know, you fly near a thunderstorm or hope you won't ever fly through one because that's bad news, but it, it can be really bad. And so as you get towards where you're going and all of a sudden you see weather moving in, you have to start thinking to sit making some decisions. And those decisions are what are my alternatives? 
So if, if I go here and I see this, I'm thinking ahead. If I, if this happens, I'm going to do this. If this happens, I'm going to do that. If this stays there, I can land. And, and so you, you're literally going through it, whether you realize it or not, you're going through all these scenarios in your mind of the what ifs. And that's one of the things I've taken uh, in my life of, I have something in front of me and I go through the what ifs. If this was to take place, I'm gonna do this. What, it ha what it happens if this takes place? Okay, if the reaction is this, then I need to do that. And so I think through all those things so that when I get to that point, I'm not pausing. I know I've already decided what I'm gonna do. And because especially when it comes to weather, you know, that 15 seconds to 30 seconds of all of a sudden you're flying into, into some weather, you need to be making a decision real fast. And if you're just now realizing where you are and hadn't thought about it before, you can get in some real trouble. Yeah, that's a good point. That's, that's one of the things that, that older Justin would tell young Justin. Mm -hmm. I, uh, young Justin would, would have a direction and say, that's where I'm going. And uh -huh. I would just go over the Barrel wall, through. go around the wall, go through the wall, whatever it needed to be done to get it done. Mm -hmm. And now older Justin says, let's take a look at this. Yeah. Let's make a good decision. I need to have an out. I need, right. to, have, need to be willing to go right if yeah. I need to go right or left yeah. if I need to go left or yeah. stay 20 miles away from something if I need to stay 20 miles away. Yeah. But Or like weather in an airplane, it can it can get you killed. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, weather's a, weather's a changing uh, event for us that we have to plan ahead of time and then realize that it, and most of the time when we plan ahead of time, it, doesn't go exactly like it's forecasted. Um, so we, we've got to be willing to, to make, and sometimes that change leaves you away from home. Yeah, it does. I, I flew back from uh, Charlottesville, Virginia uh, last year, and I'd been gone to the University of Virginia all week, and I was ready to be home. Mm -hmm. And there was a line of thunderstorms kind of coming across Dallas. I thought I could beat it in. I stopped in Memphis for fuel, and when I took off from Memphis, I was headed towards Dallas Fort Worth and I realized along about halfway through Arkansas I'm not going to get there before this squall line crosses mm -hmm. the metroplex and it was one of those that stretched from south texas it was all long, the way yeah. up, you know, you're not going through you're not going around no, anything you can't go around it and so I thought you know what are what are my options mm -hmm. well my brother lives up in Rogers Arkansas so I just skipped over there and landed for the night and stayed the night with him oh nice and I was asleep in my bed there that night as that storm moved over his house and I heard the thunder and the lightning and all the rain and wake, wake up the next morning and it's a beautiful sunny day. Yeah. And that sure beats not being on the face of planet Earth anymore. What is it? What do we say as pilots? Um, better be on the ground wishing you were in the air rather than being in the air wishing we were on the ground. Yes. That's the other, this is the other advice I got from the guy that I went and flew with. It was kind of Jim Paul. Is He, he said, uh, you don't have to be anywhere. You don't have to be anywhere. Man, that's so true. And that also applies to life, not just to have to be anywhere, but you know, you don't have to do anything. You know, you have choices and think through those choices and make the best decision. Um, but you know, in, in flying, what gets us into trouble is they get kind of like what you just said, they get their itis or I gotta beat this, or man, I really want to get home tonight. And that's what gets you in trouble. And it's trying to force things that you shouldn't force. Yeah. Right. That's what gets us in trouble. That's in life. such a good life lesson because it's, you know, when, especially as a young person, you know, you may think I, I, I've got to be married by a certain age or yeah. I need to be making this much money by a certain age or in this certain job and you're fine. The older you get, so, the more you realize that. Yeah. Just, just, uh, find something you're passionate about and work hard towards it and 
but it's not always going to work out exactly how you envisioned it. It's not. And if you got to sit on the ground a little longer, yeah, you know, to have a better future into something, that's fine. Yeah, exactly. I like that. That's that's a good way to end. I like that. That's a good life lesson. Hey, um, thank you for being on the podcast with us. Thanks for having me. Um, you're you're a great pilot. Look forward to going flying with you. You've got a you've got a new little toy. Did did that go through? By the way. Yeah. So okay. there is a uh, a new aerobatic decathlon sitting in the hangar. And, nice. Uh, yeah. So it's um, I've got uh, both parachutes just came in. Oh, so, both parachutes. Yeah, you got to have. I assume people want to fly with. Well, me when I, I, there is a reason I the reason I asked that question. Yeah, you got to have two arrow two 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 parachutes when you're flying aerobatics, and so uh, I have two, and and they will fit you. Let's go. Let's do let's, it. Let's go. Let's <laughs> because we're in, we're going to be inverted. We will definitely be inverted. <laughs> All right, man. I enjoyed this. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on and being with us today. Thanks for having me. You bet. <laughs>